Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Happy Monday, Dr. Paul. How is are it you? Monday already? It is Monday, indeed. Yeah. We are in Monday. You know, we um, we don't have to do the program on the weekend. If there's something emergency, I'm sure we'll do a program. But uh, the weekends go fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's we have to search more, of course, because uh, a lot of people don't have to work on the weekend. Yeah, the troublemakers. <laughs> so, so then you get a little, a lot of miscellaneous stuff out there. But anyway, it's not too hard to find something on COVID. And uh, some, there hasn't been an individual that has been maligned here in the last year, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, our friend Alex Berenson, who's reported on COVID for a long time. Yeah. And he, he's in a lot of trouble all the time because he, he's real old fashioned. He thinks that a journalist, and I believe he's had a little journalistic experience, he has this weird idea that in journalism you're supposed to report the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that that can get you into some trouble. I mean, uh, where you really got into trouble if you started to be a truth teller uh, and a whistleblower in Washington, <laughs> you go to jail yeah. or you get excommunicated or you, or you are treated like a son or Ed Snowden or somebody. So anyway, truth is an important issue and uh, that's what we seek. Now I want to start off with something on Alex um, Berenson because uh -huh. uh, He's written a neat article because they they can't say he's negative. Yeah. He's he's hey, you know the signs are there. Uh, this thing is going to end, and his main argument is it's so fruitless and it's so silly. That doesn't mean that he'll have perfect knowledge on political power. Yeah. <laughs> that's the big question I always have. But at least there's a lot of natural events occur. People do respond and people have responded and they have rebelled and they have resisted. So this is all good. And the title of the article is The Light at the End of the COVID. Yes. And uh, I, uh, I think there's uh, a lot of positive things here, but I, uh, I read it with caution wait and see, encourage the people who are starting to rebel. But he had, um, he had some pre pretty good points there on why he, he believes that uh, this is the end of it and uh, that the people, in a way, are, are waking up and they're not going to put up with it. So he, he identifies the end of this, uh, uh, you know, extremism related to the virus as, uh, as being natural and the people finally saying, you know, enough is enough. You know, a shot, fine, we understand that. Scare the people, we'll, we'll all go, okay, I get shot. Oh yeah, every once in a while you have to have a booster shot. But they're on number three. Yeah. Some people say it may take number four. And I, I think uh, they've lost their audience. I think too many people are, uh, you know, at a point where they don't believe, well, generally speaking, they don't believe much of what the government tells them anyway. But now they're not believing the government uh, that's spewing out this uh, scientific stuff. And uh, so I think along with this, uh, uh, for this to happen, and if it continues, it would mean that uh, Fauci's losing his clout. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, you're right. Alex Berenson, of course, he was kicked off Twitter several months ago for saying that the vaccine efficacy seems to fade over time, which of course we know is true, uh, but they reinstate him? No, they won't reinstate him because he does tell too many truths. He's the one that sort of coined the phrase virus gone a virus, which if there's been any constant in the last two years, 
it's been that specific thing, the virus is going to virus. So we try to show on the show every, every day uh, that it doesn't matter what kind of uh, things they use. It doesn't change it. But this is a, a, a great article, and we recommend it. His, his substack is Unreported Truths, and it's really worth subscribing to. But he points out that um, the, uh, culturally and politically, the U.S. appears to be putting COVID in the rearview mirror. And he says, since COVID was always more a cultural and political problem than an existential threat, or even a medical threat to anyone in halfway decent health, spring is coming. Omicron, and we'll talk about that later, will likely accelerate this trend unless the South African data are completely wrong. And he puts it in as a caveat. But he has a couple of questions that he says, ask yourself these questions uh, if you doubt this or what have you. And I won't read them all, obviously, but I'll read a couple of them. What percentage of 5 to 11-year-olds have been COVID vaccinating, vaccinated? More than a month after jabs for kids were approved, the answer is barely 15%. Um, not even one child out of six, despite a massive advertising and media campaign, I would say propaganda uh, campaign. Uh, how many different federal district courts have ruled the Biden vaccine mandates unconstitutional? I believe the answer is all. All of them have that have taken it up. Uh, and he goes on and on. How many companies have suspended or paused their vaccine mandates? Not quite all in this case, but many, including bellwethers like Oracle. And he makes the point, the labor market is tight and companies don't want to fight with 20 to 40 percent of their employees. And he goes on and on. He talks about boosters. Will they work? He says, if they do, great. Then you won't need a fourth shot. He doesn't think they're going to work. And he thinks that actually uh, people, the uptake on the third shot, and certainly if they go to a fourth shot, is going to be exponentially lower. People are, are not going to buy it anymore. Yeah. So he's optimistic. And, and that is a question that uh, he answers. But I want to read the, exactly how he asked that question. Speaking of boosters, do you know of anyone who actually believes the public health authority and media attempt to rewrite history and pretend that boosters within six months of vaccination were planned? Yeah. Other, other words, uh, you know, they they don't have a strategy. Science, uh, you, you know, uh, even though science doesn't always get it right, you, you know, if you have somebody that has a heart attack, Yes, you do have it planned, but you don't all of a sudden turn turn it in and, and have to struggle to contest it with the with the government and what they're doing. So that's a that's a a good thing. I think that he's doing this and might make people read uh, you, you know be more cautious. But yeah. here here's um, you know something is happening. I think it's in, in Britain that uh, he has, somebody written, wrote the full list of the vaccine passport rebels. Yeah. No, th that, that of course, uh, what, what are they getting ready to do? Have another vote for the, uh, to expand on vaccine. And Johnson is not exactly a friend of liberty. No, no, he's an so, enemy of liberty. He's an enemy of the people. But yeah, it's, uh, we can actually just fast forward to that uh, clip if you can. The uh, full list of, of vaccine, I think it's, um, four in uh, from the spectator. And this is a list of conservative MPs for the most part that are, have publicly announced that they will vote against uh, a vaccine passport in the UK. I think it's up to about 75 now who said they will vote against a vaccine passport. So there's a little rebellion going on there in the UK. 
But um, I want to just, if we can go back to that first one, because just to finish up on Berenson, if we can put that first clip up. Uh, and then Berenson makes a point, when you've lost the Atlantic, you've lost everything. And they have an article that they just put out, where I live, no one cares about COVID. Uh, and so that is pretty bad news. Outside the world inhabited by the professional classes. Can we just put that real quick? Outside the world inhabited by the professional classes in a handful of major metropolitan areas, many Americans are leading their lives as if COVID is over. And I can attest to that, certainly Dr. Paul down here. There are a few holdouts that put a bunch of stuff on their face, and I'm sure they're taking a bunch of shots. But for the most part, if you go to HEB, it's probably 95%. People are just looking pretty normal. Um, but we wanted to talk a little bit about Omicron in South Africa, I think. And uh, Berenson had another article about uh, great news in South Africa. Uh, the article was, uh, was titled, Stunning Data from South Africa Suggest Omicron May Be the End of COVID, End of COVID, End of COVID Vaccines. And it's um, because we know that the so-called birthplace of Omicron is in South Africa. So they've got several weeks jump on the rest of us uh, on, on, the, uh, on the virus. And let's look at that second clip because this, this is from Berenson's article. And this, I think the tale is here. South African doctors suggest Omicron COVID is milder and more contagious. And I think, you know, probably Dr. Paul, people will look at the second part of that and say, oh my gosh, it's more contagious. Um, than, uh, than the other, so it's worse. Um, but let's go to the next clip if we can. And this is, this is an important, this is also was featured in Berenson's article, Omicron, the end of the pandemic. No restrictions will be needed to protect hospitals in any way in any country. This is a researcher from South Africa. He says, uh, Gauteng in South Africa has peaked with case levels similar to Delta, but with deaths expected to be 25 times lower. And I know you've talked about this in the past, how viruses do this. Oh, yes, all the time. And I think it's beneficial. And that's the contest between the vaccine uh, believers and also uh, their obsession with rejecting natural immunity. But uh, my, my thoughts on this was that, you, you know, a rebellion a rebellion is a sort of a, a, a natural immunity against tyranny. People rebel in a natural way. They don't need a vaccine for it. They need a little boost and they need a little encouragement. And uh, they, they need to, uh, you know, pick and choose over which science they're going to pay attention to or whether they're going to obey the government on all this nonsense. Uh, so I, I think it's natural for the rebellion to come. So yeah. uh, we, we uh, are always frightened that it will never come, and sometimes it doesn't for a long time. Uh, but I, I got a kick out of what happened when they were uh, reading, uh, reading what this amendment, uh, the, the, the rules that they wanted to change, what they did in, in, the, uh, uh, in, in the commons. Uh, when the health secretary uh, introduced the measures in the commons this week, he was greeted with jeers and calls for him to resign from his own party members. Good there, for them. there is now a growing backbench rebellion against the government's proposal, uh, with several MPs publicly denouncing the winter restriction. So this is this yeah. is good. It, once again, I, I think it, it, this is not. Uh, hopefully ever just a total shocker never occurs because it should be a natural thing should it come sooner it should come even before some of this nonsense really gets started yeah. you know so there's some prevention but when it happens finally the people speak out and i think i think that's what we're seeing and that's just hope we can help the momentum in that direction
Well, as you, as you pointed out, Boris Johnson, of course, he's got his plan B, which is we're going to lock down even harder now, even though, as, we've, as, we're, as we're discussing, data from South Africa suggests that, it's, yes, it's more catchy, but it's a lot less uh, virulent. It's a lot less deadly for people. And, in fact, the U.K. has reported its first death from Omicron. And you say, oh, wow. But that's out of how many? They estimate 40% of all COVID in the U.K., and it's big is Omicron, and they've had one death, and you only see that one part of that. But, you know, going back to South Africa, because they've had a few weeks in advance, look at, look at that supplemental couple of clips that I had there, if you can, because this is also from Barrison when he wrote about, writes about South Africa. Now, here is, uh, here is infections, new cases, December 11th. It's shooting straight up, and it's been shooting up for quite some time, uh, so they're getting a lot of people are catching Omicron in South Africa. Um, and now it's three weeks in, so you will start to see some deaths spiking. Let's look at the next one, which is deaths. And one thing that you're not seeing is deaths spiking. You know, obviously it's a trailing edge to infections, but when you've got three weeks in and you're not seeing any spikes in death, as Berenson said, let's hope, but certainly it looks like it's not going to be anywhere near as deadly as Delta in the previous ones. But that's more or less what's been predicted by so many of these yeah, people I know. who look at we're this. We're the only one who remembers that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that uh, we shouldn't be shocked, but we're pleased. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It, and a little bit shocked that we finally are seeing it getting seeing out it in, in action, the reg regular yeah. media. So yeah. I think that's great. But Europe is still messed up, and you've got the next story here, which is pretty sad. Yeah, this isn't a true story, isn't it? Isn't I this, wish fa it wasn't. this fake news? No, nope. unfortunately, it, wasn't. it isn't. Uh, it uh, comes from Summit News. Unvaxxed in Austria could be in prison for a year. What is the crime? Yeah. I mean, wait, who's the injured party? Even the individual, you know, in a free society, you have the right to take your own risk. And you sometimes can cause problems for yourself. That, that, they're not even dealing with this. This, this, uh, this is based on not hurting anybody else. Maybe someday somebody's going to hurt somebody because they sneeze and they got a cold. Yeah. So therefore, we have to arrest him before he sneezes. And uh, this, <laughs> but but a year. I I don't think this. I don't think it's going to hold. I I I think there's going to be more awakening before that. But I'm not putting a lot of money on it because uh, strange things. I've been disappointed with Austria to begin yeah, with. Yeah, the government for you, sure. You think? And they were exposed to all the horrors of the war over yeah. there and uh, on, from both sides. And yet uh, they, they haven't learned what liberty is all about and what they should be defending. And with all the evidence that the shots have not worked as predicted, let's just put it that way, because we know Walensky said if you have the shot, you will not spread the virus. And Fauci said the shots are 100 percent effective against the virus. So at the least, you can say they are not performing. And their study after study, and we had one, maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow, Yet another study showing that natural immunity is superior to the vaccines that they're giving for this. So in light of all this, you would expect that at least some politicians in Austria and Germany and elsewhere would say, you know what, maybe this is not the right tack. But unfortunately, they double down. But again, Dr. Paul, staying on our theme of being positive, <clears throat> the people do get it. And let's uh, do that second video clip if we can. This is uh, Vienna, <coughs> excuse me, Vienna over the weekend, thousands and thousands of people protesting against forced vaccinations. Let's just watch a few uh, seconds, 15 seconds of this. Hey, 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 
And what they're yelling, Dr. Paul, is Freiheit, freedom, freedom, freedom. And that is encouraging to see uh, thousands and thousands of Austrians saying, we want and demand our freedom. Isn't it a great sight to yeah. see this? Yeah. I, I think that's a like sign because, because I, most people on both sides of the big argument about freedom versus slavery is that the number of people who really, when they understand what's going on, they always come down on the side of freedom. Yeah. Uh, but the, the numbers are on our side. But, but the, you know, the strength and the power and the willingness to use force, uh, uh, dictators get a foothold on it. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, libertarians uh, can be more tolerant of that and say, well, we have to have a balance there. We can't, you know, curtail this. And uh, But I, I think the numbers are on our side. It's galvanizing them, inspiring them, encouraging them. And uh, and I think they have to know the need for it, too. You know, I, I say freedom is moral and it's constitutional principles, but it's also very pragmatic. Uh, a, lot, a lot of times, uh, you, you, you know, the pragmatic argument uh, we don't emphasize as much. But, you know, pragmatism of a free market economy, there's a lot of pragma, pragmatic reasons why you want it. Yeah. I mean, that people benefit by it. And uh, maybe we don't emphasize uh, enough uh, of the fact that uh, non-government medicine is very pragmatic. Yeah. And people do better. And that's what this whole argument is about natural versus vaccine. And uh, the authoritarians and the money grabbers are saying, oh no, the best thing for do, we're gonna take care of you and make you safe. And they literally use these ugly, vicious terms that he, if you do that, you're a killer. You're, yeah. you're gonna kill somebody if you don't get your vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Well, we wanna talk about uh, some interesting studies. And this is something that came out of Brazil. And we've seen this, this is anecdotal, and it's a preprint, it's not a peer-reviewed study. But as I understand it, they went and they studied a, a town in Brazil or an area, a city in Brazil right. for alternative treatments. And <clears throat> lo and behold, they went and, uh, and they offered ivermectin to everyone. And uh, it wasn't like they were all of a sudden saying, line up and this is your treatment. We're canceling out the vaccines and you take ivermectin. You know, it was a thing that they moved in on and all of a sudden it, it cut the, the deaths in half, you know. And uh, it, it was done without the government authoritarianism, but they're always there ready to challenge yeah. it. And people, you know, still, even in this country, there was another story this morning <laughs> I read where the doctor lost his job yeah. because there was a time when he, he just was totally convinced medically <clears throat> that what uh, what they were doing on the uh, on the vaccines and the ventilators and uh, he put somebody on on the iver ivermectin so uh, you're fired yeah you're <laughs> you know that yeah. that's that's horrible well let's look at the second to last clip I know we're all, we're jumping around here but the second to last clip is about this Brazil uh, situation and again it's a preprint non peer reviewed uh, it'll be yeah there we go thank you. After analyzing the data, a team of researchers spanning several Brazilian institutes, the University of Toronto and Columbia's EAFIT, concluded in a December preprint study that hospitalization and mortality rates were cut in half over the seven-month period among the ivermectin group, and this is in a Brazilian city. And of course, our purpose in pointing this out, and there's a chart here you can look at their, their information, uh, our point in, 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 in bringing this up is not to say, hey, it's great, you need to take it. Our point is, why isn't anyone else just studying it? What is the harm in studying it 
You know, they studied the vaccines, they studied other things, they studied um, remdesivir. What's the harm in just giving it a study and saying, hey, if it works, that's great. You, you know, I think they know something. I think they know <laughs> that they're really on the losing side yeah, of the argument. Maybe. So the best thing to do is prevent them or destroy any incentive whatsoever to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. So uh, and, uh, it's always uh, seems to be at least a power struggle and a money struggle uh, in, in Washington, I think. I think that's the case in, you know, in foreign expenditures, yeah. uh, foreign, uh, you know, the militarism, there's always a fancy reason. But if they know, if they knew the truth, they, the people wouldn't roll over. And that type of spending is, is just universal. Most Republicans and most Democrats yeah. can't wait to spend that. It's, it's probably the most, the strongest motivation for uh, defending your patriotism is yeah. to, is to vote for that type of killing, you know, in uh, our, position in the world and our presence and intervention, how many how many countries we've been involved yeah. in that sort of thing. Well, when you've got billions in profits, you can, uh, you can afford some lobbyists. It's kind of funny that you mentioned that doctor. I think our minds were thinking alike. It put on that last clip that I had because I clipped it because I wanted to, to, to <laughs> tee it up for you to see what I knew what your reaction would be. Doctor says he was fired for trying to treat COVID-19 patients with ivermectin. This is what, what you were talking <laughs> about. I forget the state, but he basically saw that what was happening wasn't working. And he wanted to give it a try because these people were getting sicker. Uh, in fact, he didn't get a chance to try it. They fired him before he tried it. But what does that tell you about doctor-patient relations? And well, it doesn't happen. It yeah. is not there. The you know, it, there's a lot of controversy. As a matter of fact, we've even passed legislation that made it legal for uh, people to sign a waiver on the, if the FDA was holding up a drug. The, that there was evidence that it was working okay for people and a, a great possibility, but not proven yeah. for cancer treatment. And uh, how many people wouldn't say, you know, that they know they're in really, really bad shape and they know about this drug and there might be, you don't even have to know what the percent is. If you yeah. have 50% chance or 75% or 10% chance that that medicine might help you, who, who should make the decision? Should it be the bureaucrats yeah. and the politicians? And, and yet that's what happens. He's taken out of the hand. That's why uh, this whole principle of the doctor-patient relationship is so important. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it, it, it's a mess that it's, it's turned into what it is. Medicine... Uh, I would have to say can't be as much fun as it was when I was first no studying kidding, medicine, you know. You know, that's what Justin Romando did. He took that experimental drug when he was in pretty bad shape. And, you know, he eventually sadly died, but I th maybe he got an extra year. Who knows? But it was his choice. And I remember he wrote a lot about yeah, it. Yeah, and his it was all permitted. But this has seemed to just ignore that. Yeah. And, and they, they don't want that principle. So the principle was strong enough. They allowed it. Now they come along and it doesn't fit their scenario. So, oh, we're, we're not we're not going to be tolerant. Yeah. Intolerant because people don't know they're people congressman told me you got to do it for the people the people are too dumb too dumb that really was my, the, the top of my aggravation up there when people would literally verbalize what you knew they yeah. believed in well speaking of dumb our last story oh, is dumb. Boy. you know we spend uh, a couple dollars on uh, military and um i would say there's uh, malinvestment in military we create debt and we print the money and we have an empire to defend so uh, there's a lot of malinvestment and contribution to literal debt uh you know through the, the militarism that we have and um 
I think there's a lot of bad, bad investments there. The debt is bad, but there's bad investments because they do things. And uh, when you think about it, um, you know, battleships and aircraft carriers and airplanes, I, I think of them as being be pretty old-fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, there's so much modern technology uh, that... Uh, it's, it's not practical to think that they can't take uh, that they can't take care of that. But this individual, there was a second in command of a Navy destroyer, which is pretty fancy ship. Oh yeah, you know, very high tech. And uh, he had a religious belief, and uh, he uh, didn't believe in the vaccines. He's been around a, a bit. Yeah. I, I, I wonder how much money individually. It's hard to calculate. They invest a lot of money in this guy, yeah, yeah. and he's been working it. He's been doing the tr during his duty. He's never been defective in, in his his duty. He knew how to run a ship. How many people, you know, really know how to run those ships? Yeah. So anyway, he um, he wouldn't he wouldn't take the test and he wouldn't take the vaccine. Uh, so they. They didn't kick him out of the military. They yeah. might yet do it, they yet. but they they relieved him because he was uh, he was not uh, he he was he was not doing his duty. He, his duty was compromised. Yeah. His ability to operate that ship. I don't know how many years, but but it, but he's been on ships for a long time. Yeah. I bet it's been thousands of hours. Yeah, you, you yeah. know. So anyway, they they kicked him out. So it, it's it. it it caught my attention because first it was a cost, and the first it, it involved debt. First, next it is the malinvestment. Why are we building all these things? Then the next thing is, where, where's uh, where's the common sense yeah. with all that activity and all that expense? The common sense for them, so-called common sense, is protect the military-industrial complex yeah. and spend it because uh, you, you know, uh, quite frankly. Uh, you know, all that spending. Uh, Navy's always fascinated me. I sort of, you know, like the idea. Matter of fact, I once proposed that we probably could defend, this was back in the middle of the Cold War. <laughs> I, I claimed we could defend this country against anything the Soviets could ever challenge us with about six good submarines. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just said, don't mess with it. But, uh, but anyway, I, I think uh, aircraft carriers, and we keep building aircraft carriers and the whole works. And with, with the technology and the missiles they have, you know, if you really get into a war, I, I think they, they have about zero amount uh, uh, of capability of doing much. But what do they do? They're, they build these with the idea that we're always going to have small wars. Yeah. We're going to, uh, you know, be, uh, we, we have to be lined up to fire our missiles and we can move them around and hide below the horizon. It's always with a plan that you're going to have a modest war. Yeah. And, uh they even build tanks. I, I remember one time this was coming up and there was a big argument on, on uh, expenditures for tanks in the middle of the Cold War. And I asked him, I said, where do you think the Russians are going to invade us? Yeah. Do you think the tanks are going to come into Alaska or something? <laughs> so, anyway, a lot of mistakes made when, uh, and, and that's one reason why I always believe that uh, that the ability to inflate the currency and monetize debt will get us more involved in war. And just look at the 20th century. There was a lot of activity and a lot of wars that other countries shared in the same principle that it's, it's always a cost, but you can hide it and dump the penalties on the people. Yeah. Well, you know, this situation with this Navy commander, 
you know, everyone's uh, support the troops. You've got to support the troops. This tells you what they actually think of the troops. And I think Americans should rise up and demand that these people not be treated this way. Uh, and there are many thousands of troops that are being terrorized right now with the loss yeah. of their career, the loss of their pension, the loss of their job, their status, uh, simply because they don't want to take this particular medical treatment. And also, they're not being given, from what I've read, the actual FDA-approved drug. They're being given the still uh, EUA emergency use drug, which is a different drug, as argues the people that made the drug. So yes, the military is getting abused. This guy's getting abused. His career, was, he'll never recover from this. If you're, if you're relieved of command of a ship, you're never gonna recover. And I think your point is well made that he, uh, he's gotten some attention because of uh, his high position. But you mentioned the thousands, thousands of others. I mean, it isn't like 50 people here or 100 people there that are challenging this. There are thousands of people in the military. So you don't have to just think, well, yeah, they did spend some money on uh, this officer to have him trained, but how about the whole system? Yeah. And if the system isn't working uh, very well, it really doesn't even serve their purpose of national defense, but I don't think that's their strongest motivation. I think it's uh, false patriotism that motivates them yeah. and money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm going to end out just the thanking everyone for support, for support over our, um, our book giveaway offer and your support for the Ron Paul Institute and the Ron Paul Liberty Report. Um, please, if you're not subscribed to this channel, please subscribe to this channel. Also go to ronpaulinstitute.org and subscribe over there. Again, as I say every time, we will not sell, rent, give, barter, bargain your names or your information away. That's just a way for us to communicate with you. Uh, we don't know what may happen in the future by social media, so it's great to know uh, who you are and where you are so we can keep you posted and keep you in touch with what we're doing. Again, thanks very much for, for watching the show. Dr. Paul? Very good. You know, I, I think uh, the report today, uh, we keyed in on the number p one part of our report about Berenson because he, he really is telling us that uh, uh, the opposition's running out of steam and there's a lot of positive things happening, which we've been you know, working for and encouraging and hopeful that this would happen. But he really, uh, you know, in a deliberate, a clear fashion, have shown a lot of places where people are shifting. And we had a couple of places overseas where this is shifting, but we also mentioned a couple of places that the leadership in some of these countries are just so determined to undermine any movement toward uh, permitting the doctor-patient relationship to be the principal uh, way that we uh, t treat patients around this country rather than the bureaucracy and the politicians and the, and the uh, pharmaceutical companies. So I think there's some good news there. Uh, let's just hope this momentum goes. Uh, I think uh, the uh, signs of this breaking, uh, you know, they claim it's just real recent, but I think you could find some things six months ago or eight months ago, periodically we'd see this where people just stood up to the establishment and they need the courage that people need the courage to do it because they have to have the comfort of knowing they're on the right side of the issue and that we're seeking the truth of this uh, whole situation. So uh, we should feel good about it. If, if we were arguing the case, if, uh, if, the, if the pharmaceutical companies were being challenged and squeezed out of their profits, and that's what we were a champion, that's a different story. But if we're arguing the case for a free market and personal liberty and why the country and the world would be better off, and that the uh, whole issue of the pandemic would have been handled 
absolutely differently under the circumstances of a free society and uh, emphasizing medicine being out of the hands of the bureaucrats and the pharmaceutical industries. So there's a, a reason to be cheerful in this and reason for us to continue the momentum when people want to resist and they can do it, uh, you know, with nonviolence and making a strong point, and they have the am ammunition to explain why, uh, you, you know, natural immunity is far superior to the vaccines that we don't even know what they're giving. And every month they say, well, one isn't enough, two might be, three we need now, and who knows, we may, may need four, may be permanent. So, uh, yes, there, there's every reason to be on the side of saying there's no reason why to be embarrassed. And I think the shift is coming there, our way that the old fashioned medical understanding, which has been around for a long time, that there's natural immunity when people get something. And it doesn't mean you have to get something that's a killer. You know, that isn't the case whatsoever. So uh, I want to thank uh, everybody for tuning in and paying attention to what we're trying to do, and we appreciate very much your support. Please come back to the Liberty Report soon.